Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 214 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is a Wednesday, not exactly our normal time. It's not really an emergency podcast, but there's a little bit of stuff to talk about right now. And uh, what I would say is a rare occurrence, not super rare, but certainly rare. I have both Eric Cole and Scott Coleman on this podcast with me. Hello, gentlemen, and do not talk over each other. That's always the challenge <laughs> on a, a, a three-man podcast. It's the Cole podcast. I'm all here for it. It's been a while since we've had all three of us on, so it should be fun. Yeah, we usually save the the Scott and Eric podcast for like playoffs or something crazy happening, yeah. or Scott and I are bored. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm actually really excited to talk some baseball because like there's both stuff to talk about. And honestly, like when I have the I have the kids at home with me, my wife's a teacher, so she's working from home too. I'm just kind of really looking forward to kind of just being able to talk a little bit and, you know, just kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy because, you know, it's been pretty rough just like watching the same shows on Netflix over and over again. And I mean, I'm sure I speak that speaks to a lot of people and a lot of our listeners is that, that it's been really tough without sports. Yeah, uh, I rely heavily on them. Um, in fact, as we were recording, I was telling Eric before this, we, I was watching the World Series replay. So we're actually recording, quote-unquote, during Game 3 of the, of the 95 World Series. So I'm sure people have actually been watching that. I've been diving into those. And uh, are you guys watching? I know, Scott, it's a little bit early for you. And it's also, I'm not even sure you can watch these. No. They're on Fox Sports Southeast, so probably not for you. Is that available? No, I like Putin. I have a, a friend who gave me a login for his... Uh, I forget one of the streaming things. I think I could probably get it, but because it's not readily available, I haven't been able to watch. Unfortunately, it's not actually. It's not on MLB TV like actual Braves games would be. For right. You. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've been kind of like popping in and out. Like I, I try. I tried watching some of the older games as kind of like a a substitute for sports, but it's it's honestly not the same for me. So it's it's not it hasn't hold the same appeal. Although it's been really neat to kind of see some of these old broadcasts and you know. Like I think someone posted the clip of Skip uh, announcing the Doyle Alexander for John Smoltz trade earlier today, and like kind of seeing Skip and seeing a lot of like kind of these old lineups and these old games like for a little while has been fun, but it's not. Some people are a lot more invested in it than I am. I will say this: um, I, I'm kind of with you on watching old baseball in particular, but this is kind of the one exception for me is the '95 World Series because a it's a good memory, uh, one of the rare good memories, and b it's you know. It's just not been on very often, and Fox Sports Southeast. I bet they had to pay a pretty penny to get these uh, to get the rights, because I agree. Um, 
and I, and I think that actually is an appeal for that. I think it's kind of the only thing that would hold my attention from back then, um, over the entirety of the week. And like, I'm not appointment, I'm, I'm not necessarily appointment viewing it, but I'm, I've been watching quite a bit and it, I am interested in it. And probably because I was really young too. If I had been an adult when that happened and kind of knew everything about the series in the way that I would now, it may not be as appealing, but I'm like learning things about what happened because I was nine when, <laughs> when the series happened. So, I know what happens, but at the same time, like you're watching it as a as an adult. For me, it's kind of the first time I'm watching it, at least all the way through. I find it pretty interesting, but I understand all of the, uh, I would say, the drawbacks and the appeal of uh, old baseball clips. By the way, Skip Carey makes more than one appearance in ESPN's The Last Dance documentary. Has anybody has anybody actually seen that or heard that? Because Skip is yeah. calling national <laughs> basketball on that, and I was like losing my mind in part one. I was like, wait, yeah. that's that's Skip Carey. Yeah, yeah, I caught that. Um, I'm I'm two episodes behind, but yeah, it was it was awesome. You hear the voice, and and I mean, it's just such an iconic voice, and of course, he has so, so many Chicago roots. So yeah, it was cool to see him. Yeah, <sighs> well, we have to talk about we have to talk about baseball now. Um, we'll save sort of the meat of the podcast, which is this Bob Nightingale report about the restarting of baseball for the second uh, half or maybe more than half of the podcast. But before that, a couple news items here, uh, one of which is more in Eric's realm of, of the world, but uh, both Joel Sherman and John Heyman were reporting that baseball is centering on June 10th for the draft. Still unclear as to, uh, at least on their reporting, about how many rounds they're going to be. Could be five, could be ten. Obviously, that's both Both those numbers are a lot smaller than the draft usually is. June 10th um, is not that far away, so that's something to look forward to if baseball does have the draft i'm not a huge mlb draft guy i always say that but uh, i'll be di- i'll be diving in if that's what we actually have to talk about eric I'll, I'll start with you on this uh thoughts on the draft i mean i guess it's sort of in the normal place in some respects but i guess knowing when it is is helpful for everybody yeah i'm actually a little bit surprised that it's gonna be as early as june 10th because that's not appreciably different than what was originally like what it was originally thought was going to happen uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was even pushed. It was pushed back a week or two beyond that date. Um, there are some things like a lot of unanswered questions, like kind of how the bonus pools are going to work, how how uh, slot allotment, allotments are going to work. Is this going to be just take the first two days of the draft and then just get rid of eleven through forty as kind of a thing that ever happens? Is that how it's going to work, or are they going to kind of try to condense the format all together where you have you know a certain amount of slot for each of like the first five picks, and then if there's ten rounds. Do you space out, you know, like those quote unquote day three picks over like do you just condense the whole format of the draft or you just kind of get rid of a portion of it? Um, I still maintain that I understand that there's like some economic considerations, but in terms of like bang for your buck and just not that much money that the draft is the best thing you can do for your for talent. And if that's the case, I do think that they're going to I don't think they're going to go as low as five rounds. I think it'll be 10, um, at least 10. If not trying to squeeze out more, but again, there's a lot of moving parts to kind of how they would, how they would present it, what the format would be, how much they're going to be expected to pay, uh, pay on in in terms of that. And I will say that I do think that in this draft, just because of the situation at hand, that we're going to see a lot of college guys getting picked and not a lot of high school guys for sure. Well, that's my big question about this because, right, like even, you know, we just all saw the NFL draft, but they had the luxury of being able to watch the entire college season. And obviously they're not plucking kids from the high school ranks. So, and I, I don't know the answer to this on if anyone does. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how exactly they handle this because it's been a full year since they've seen, uh, seen these guys, of course, no college or high school season. So I, 
I mean, you talk about a challenging way. If there was ever a year not to have a super high draft pick, it's probably this one because I can only imagine yep. what these these front offices are doing in, in scramble mode. As you said, this is about six weeks away, assuming it happens on the 10th like everybody thinks. Yeah, it, it's going to be very, very odd on a number of levels. I think people will be grateful to have the draft as a content vehicle. I, having just covered the NFL draft pretty extensively, that was like an oasis in the desert for all content providers of sports. It was just ridiculous yeah. how much content was centered around that. Baseball is never going to uh, sort of duplicate that and because it's not ever been on that level previously. But I think um, you'll probably see record high draft viewing, which is kind of funny yep. because of the la- because of the lack of certainty that you'd also get. It might be a really bad draft and also one that everybody ends up watching that wouldn't normally watch it. It's kind of funny. See, and I'm not sure if it even it's even going to be a bad draft. I mean, obviously the name recognition doesn't exist for baseball draftees unless there's like a name like a Bryce Harper or a Steven Strasburg. And even then, it's not the same as the top guys in football or basketball. But I do think condensing the draft overall, it makes it easier television viewing, even if it's not necessarily what a lot of us are used to in terms of what the like actually the production of talent and what happens going into a minor league system does. But... I think this is going to be more entertaining to watch. I think because of everything else being canceled, they're going to allow their a lot of these draftees to be a part of the draft process, which is something that hasn't happened in previous years. Um, and again, I, I kind of hinted at it and Scott expounded on it, but I do think we're going to see there's going to be footage and there's going to be coverage of these a lot of the people who are getting drafted because I think it's going to be a lot of college guys. I think that because of the pandemic and kind of what's been happening, a lot of the not like maybe the top five high school pick players will get picked early. And a lot of those rest of those top high school guys are just going to go on to college and fulfill their commitments because there's just so much uncertainty. And when you just don't have an entire high school season to not evaluate, to evaluate these kids on, I just don't see big league clubs like spending a real draft pick and real amount of money right now on that. And I think they'll stay safe with the, you know, maybe if they really believe in a kid, you can spend a top 10, top 15 pick on a kid, but even that seems really tough for me. So I think we're going to see a lot of high, a lot of college guys getting picked. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense to me. Because I mean, if you think about it, drafting a high school kid that just missed the senior season of high school, um, I know these guys are being observed earlier and earlier. But you know, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Like you might have a kid that was 15, 16 the last time somebody some of these teams saw him <laughs> play baseball. Uh, and he, he would somehow be able to be a top five draft pick. It's not impossible, but it would be, uh, I, I tend to agree with your conclusion that it probably would be more college focused. We'll spend more time on that if we uh, get more word on that. And we'll, uh, I'm going to sort of allow Eric to unleash his uh, army of minor league slash draft experts on the draft. I think Matt Powers is probably sweating right now, getting ready for the draft. Am I right about that, Eric? He, he's, he's getting really twitchy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, it's it's really tough for him because well Matt's also and again I'm not gonna get into too many specifics but he's had like multiple quarantine scares uh, where he is with his day job so he's already like been more cooped up than even those some of us in in our area so he's really chomping a bit for something to happen and he's already eyeing the draft and kind of once these details are starting to get a little more for like kind of formed i think that we're going to see a lot of stuff out of matt in terms of like what this means and what he thinks is going to happen i wouldn't be surprised if he like mocked all 10 rounds like at this rate (laughs) that's so funny at at the same time scott and i will probably talk about the draft for like 20 minutes the day before and act like we're experts right scott 
Yeah, yeah. Those guys know what they're doing. They this is their job. Good picks, boys. Yeah. I'm just gonna rely on Matt and <laughs> Eric and other people that are smarter than I am and uh, do very little prep. And then I'll come on the podcast. We'll, we'll do 20 minutes on it. And I'll say, all right, kids, listen to Road to Atlanta, and that'll be it. Um, but anyway, no, I'm actually excited about the draft if it happens more so than usual because there's nothing else to talk about. Alas, though, we'll move on to some minor leagues. So this is sort of tangential. Um, there was a report out there. It was one report, and it looks like it probably wasn't accurate about um, this happened on Wednesday about the minor league season not happening um, semi-officially. That's been debunked now by multiple people. So I don't think it's going to happen. But at the same time, it does it does create the discussion about minor league baseball that I know I've not necessarily had on this podcast because it's not the priority in, in my mind always. But it is one for Eric to be sure. And just the reality of the situation is minor league baseball is in serious trouble for 2020 because of a lot of different factors. It's just not going to be the priority for all these clubs. They want the revenue that comes along with major league baseball more so than the minor league baseball. So I'll go to you, Eric, on this first um, because you are the expert on this topic among the three of us. But like, what's going to happen with the minor league season? Because I know we're guessing to some degree, but there are lots of reasons to fear that it may not have at, uh, I would say that may not be happening at all this year, right? I, I am very skeptical that I was until a couple weeks ago, I was very skeptical that any baseball was going to be happening at all. Obviously there's been some reporting and we'll get to that in a little bit. That it seems like major league baseball is at least going to make an attempt to try to play with, you know, kind of re refiguring things. But the problem with those proposals is that for them to work, you can't have minor league baseball going on too. Um, that does create some other problems. Like for example, if you need to call anyone up from AAA, where are you going to get them from and how are they going to be in shape? And, you know, does that mean that, you know, your entire minor league system is just like the guys that you want in camp. You just have in laying in wait down in Northport, uh, just scrimmaging against each other for forever and constantly getting tested because there's a lot of costs and there's a lot of you know factors that go into whether how you would actually go about doing that. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult for a minor league season to happen because again, let's just say that this proposal that we've heard about, where it's like Arizona, Florida, and Texas, that takes out multiple leagues of of minor of of the minor leagues in terms of the stadiums that can be used, whether it be the Texas league or the Florida state league for, as an example, I just don't know how you make the minor league season work at all. If you're trying to use some of these smaller parks, um, maybe you try to use some of the bigger parks and maybe you can kind of figure something out where it's like kind of a partial sort of thing. I don't know. It's not gonna look anything like it normally does. And I will say that, with no fans in attendance, I don't think that the, the organizations are going to be willing to pay the additional overhead to have minor league games going on anyway. Even if they found a way to logistically have a place for these players to play, I mean, minor, there's not a lot of ad revenue for, you know, whether it be TV or radio or whatever going on for minor league baseball games right now. They're just struggling to kind of put a major league product on the field right now to get something going. If that's the case, I just don't see how this is going to happen. Um, I, w I, w I wasn't shocked to hear the report that maybe there wasn't going to be a minor league season. I understand that, you know, J.J. Cooper, who's a friend of the show, and a lot of other guys are saying, hey, that's not been decided yet. Minor league baseball was very clear in saying that they have not been notified at all that there's not going to be a season, and they wanted to kind of debunk that report pretty quickly. But at the same time, it makes a certain amount of sense to me. Yeah. Well, and you talked a little bit about the financial aspect of it, and I think that's probably the biggest thing, right? And you know, as well as anyone, a lot of these players rely on host families and, and you know, just trying to figure out a way to pay them. And if, if the pandemic is still going on, you know, how, how do you house some of these guys? So there's a million different layers of this. I think you're right. And as baseball is trying to figure out how on earth they're going to try to have a season this year, because it sure sounds like they want to make every attempt to. 
I just have to think the minor leagues, unfortunately, are uh, kind of getting placed on the back burner. And at some point, you'd have to have action because, you know, we're already through April. Even if you're you're hopeful of a June or July start for the big leagues, um, there's, there's you know, the minor league players aren't robots. They have to ramp up, too. And, and as you laid out all the many reasons why it might be tough uh, to have a season. So um, I'm with you. I, I think it's even, as you said, like Jeff Passan came out and said, well, it hasn't been decided yet. I think yet is the key word. Unfortunately, it just kind of feels like it's inevitable. But alas, that that's kind of the hand we've been dealt. It does feel that way. Uh, inevitable is a good way to describe it, in my opinion. I'm not an expert, but just doing the math in your head about, you know, the prospect of having minor league games with no fans doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to anybody. And actually having fans doesn't seem very likely at the moment um, in the time frame that you would want them for minor league baseball. So it seems like they're probably in trouble. And there's, there's a lot of discussion to be had about how teams can and will incorporate their expanded rosters and who, who they might carry. And just like Eric said, going down AAA and getting a player has to um, sort of assume that players are ready to play. And so it's a lot of discussion to be had once we actually have some more finalized plans on what baseball might actually do here. But uh, minor league baseball is probably in some trouble, and uh, I, I'm not even sure how to deal with Eric if that's the case. What, what are you going to do all the time, Eric? I don't want. To, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just. I mean, like, <laughs> like we'll we'll have, we'll we'll have the draft, and the Braves can sign some July two guys. So there's that, and then they can send I'm them just... to like uh, a weird. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure. Like, I'm not even sure what it would be like. Some instructional, like simulated game stuff only that you could just be the only media, media member covering. You could just move to whatever facility and just like write up extensive game breakdowns of the simulated games that occur. <laughs> I don't even know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If we floated that idea, I I have four or five minor league writers that might be going with me. If that's what's going <laughs> to be crammed in some you know Airbnb and just social distance, please. Set, I don't really care what else happens to you. But oh, uh, this is uh, uh, this is this is true. I guess we have. I mean, there definitely have to be a certain amount of testing involved for that to happen, <laughs> uh, you know. And but you know, there's also the you know other factors like you know, like Garrett's dog bringing that along and stuff like that. But yeah, all no, important, it's, it's all important factor of Garrett's dog in this decision making is. Uh, uh, we're well, well, I mean, where Garrett goes, that thing goes. But um, yeah, the, I'm actually kind of been avoiding thinking about the fact that the minor league season could be is very. I mean, the major league season I've been you worry about. Uh, one just because of the site, and you know, you know, want to make sure that that's you know up and running and the way it's and going the way it should be to continue to you know help us all out. But at the same time, the minor league season I've kind of avoided thinking about too much, just because that has seemed more bleak than anything in this regard. I just don't see how any of these proposals to get baseball happening again allows for minor league baseball to happen again. And like that's something that's like for for me, who's someone who has been covering the minor leagues ever since I joined Talking Chop. That's general. The idea of a baseball season happening without minor league baseball makes me genuinely sad. On that, on that very exciting note, we're gonna go to a break and then we'll get Eric out of that uh, dark place by talking about Major League Baseball and the Hello, uh, well, darkness, my old friend, <laughs> and the well publicized report from Bob Nightingale. So uh, hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, fellas. Uh, the meat of the podcast is a report from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Um, that's been backed up, at least to some degree, by other reporting that's out there. But I'm going to sort of uh, give you the basics of this that I know you guys have seen, but for people listening to the podcast, there's been some reports, including this one, that several baseball officials are, quote, cautiously optimistic, end quote, that the season will start in late June and no later than July 2nd. The plan is essentially, uh, by the way, this is all pending approval of medical experts and, by the way, and, 
enough available testing for COVID-19. But if it all happened, it'd be a three-division plan with 10 teams in each division, and it was at least uh, loosely based on geography. So you're throwing out the AL and the NL and not straight to Cactus League, Grapefruit League, like, like Scott and I discussed on the last podcast, but a three-league sort of or division plan. Um, lots of uncertainty here, but uh, no fans. But in theory, less travel. And uh, they're saying, at least optimally, that they don't have to do the full-on bubble if they do this, at least eventually. They, they, might, they might start with that, but eventually they're hoping to have um, limited isolation and maybe even fans by the end if they get really lucky here. But regardless, about a 100-game season or so. And, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff here. Scott, what, what do you make of, of the report? We'll dive into the team structure because the Braves are in the central in this plan, which is kind of bizarre. Um, but what do you make of this whole idea? Because I know we talked about stuff before about Arizona, but this is more of a nationwide plan, and it also includes – Teams playing in their own ballparks, which is uh, different, to be sure. Yeah, I think, you know, when we first heard about this proposed Arizona plan or the Arizona-Florida plan, I think as fans, you just get excited because you start thinking about games. But once you started to peel back the layers a little bit, it, it just seemed more and more asinine the more you read. And then, of course, you have guys like Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw come out and say, hey, wait, we don't want to be away from our wives and our kids and our family for months on end as we're stuck in a you know, a Scottsdale or a Tampa area resort. So I think this is the most realistic plan that, that we've at least heard about. It seems uh, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, um, it doesn't require the players to be more or less locked into a hotel for months at a time. And I think that's something that, again, as fans, we don't necessarily think about, but the players obviously uh, balked at and with good reason. Um, you know, I think the one thing here is having testing readily available and who knows where that's going to be. But if, if you look at this proposed plan, you would be able to minimize travel, maybe do things like every series is five games instead of three, have a double header in every series as a way to really kind of make up games and also minimal, minimize days on the road. So again, there, there are so many hurdles here to still get through, but of everything we've heard and read, at least publicly, I think this has the best chance of, of being something that could actually happen. Whereas while they were fun and, and there were some nuggets in the Arizona and Florida plans that made some sense, I think those just seemed a little crazier by the day. And and, and clearly it, it seems like baseball has shifted its focus to something else. Yeah, and it's a, a tricky thing, particularly with getting these three new divisions lined up because like in a way that seems fair because – I do foresee a scenario where like some like one of these divisions is just not going to be as difficult as the other two for whatever reason and that's just going to like result in like a lot of inner kind of club you know squabbles with the league as to kind of how to get that set up and I really hope that there has been a certain amount of understanding um I do think that this three, three division race thing that they're doing would make some sense with an expanded playoff structure uh, I do want to point to, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, Jeff Passan had a really good, like, 20 questions yep. article that has a lot, like, explores a lot of these potential issues and kind of what he thinks is going to happen. And I do think that this, like, wider, this three-division setup kind of lends itself to, like, an expanded playoff uh, playoff structure where there's just more teams in the playoffs, and it kind of creates this tournament structure. It could be really fun, too. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again in baseball, but I think it would be a really fun thing for at least this year to kind of explore given the situation. Uh, one thing that Passon does touch on in his article that Scott mentioned was that the availability of testing. I think that the, the league is going to be able to afford all the tests that they want, but the optics behind getting the hands on, on all these tests 
when there's like areas of the country that simply don't have any testing at all are is are quite bad. But even Passon's article touches on that that there's been some I think it's either in Korea the Korea baseball or Japanese baseball leagues. Um, the idea is that they're testing all these players, but for every one test that they buy, they donate five. And something like that makes a ton of sense to me in terms of like getting the league involved with kind of helping to boost up the testing regimes that are currently in place for COVID-19 not outside of the sport, while also making sure that the players and the, st- the staff are safe, too. So there's a, I, like Scott mentioned, there's a lot of moving parts to all of this. And in terms of how to make it work, uh, like, for example, I'm not sure if setting up any sort of league in Florida, given the state of the outbreak down there, is a great idea. But there's also your kind of tight on options, and if you feel like you can get a set, set up a pretty tight system, especially early on, then maybe it'll work. But overall, I mean, I'm just kind of cautiously optimistic about the idea of baseball happening again, while understanding that I'm still a bit terrified of starting up professional sports given the world we live in right now. I'm gonna link to the Jeff Passon thing in the uh, in the post on TalkingShop.com for this podcast, but that, that's a very very good and it's a long read, but it's 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 in depth. It's got a lot of ideas. Passon lays out an idea that he's heard stuff about about like a world like a, basically a World Cup style uh, playoff thing, which would be interesting. Um, and also his plan sort of is in line with his overall plans, still sort of in line with what Nightingale was saying as well about the way that this would all kind of lay out. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out here as part of the Nightingale reporting is that, you know, they're still, the teams are still up to like go to, go to spring training basically before this would start for, you know, 18 to, 18 to 21 days of work is what he's saying. And basically he, they also give players about a week to report. That's, that makes some sense. And going back to the minor league thing, you would still need more guys ready at some point and they're going to have to be expanded rosters, et cetera. But even if they sort of came to this agreement pretty soon, you're talking about a month plus lead up to actually, you know, playing baseball games. Um, that's important. And also, there's still uh, this is a big part of this, by the way, that I think Scott and I touched on in the past. But there's still no formal discussions on the financial stuff here with playing without fans because we talked about this before. But the model of baseball is pretty heavily reliant on attendance and the, the uh, gate revenue in a way that some other sports are not, and teams in short, are not going to want to pay full salaries to these players that they agreed to in a pre-COVID world. Um, And paying full salaries for a reduced schedule and having no fans is just, I don't want to say it's definitely not going to happen, but it's probably not going to happen because you just can't, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I can't imagine organizations signing up for that in in unison, especially ones with super high payrolls that will probably lose millions and millions of dollars if they they decide to... uh, pay out full salaries for a shortened season. So that, that's in there too, and there's still no discussions on that. So that's going to be a huge sticking point here on anything on both sides in the negotiation. And that comes down to, even if they had everything else in play, if the league and the Players Association can't agree on money stuff, then it all falls apart. So that's important yeah. to keep in mind too. My hope is, and I say this as a fan and not somebody who has to write the checks, but my hope is, is that the players realizing they would be able to be home and not locked in a hotel in Arizona, Florida, Texas, wherever. I would hope that maybe there's some leeway there because the players would feel like they're more at home. I mean, again, let's be real. Most players, not all, but most players are perfectly fine if they're not collecting their normal paychecks for however many months this is going to be, right? There are, of course, some players who are new to the league, and, and they do rely on it. But most guys are okay financially. So maybe, and again, this is more, I guess, optimistic fan talk than somebody sitting down with a microscope and looking at all this. Um, but maybe because the players would be able to be at home with their wives, their kids, their girlfriends, whoever, 
they might be a little more open to not taking quite as much of a salary um, as what they would normally be collecting. Well, I think that there's a zero chance that there's going to be like full full salaries. They've already talked about when oh, all absolutely. this first started. Yeah. Full like the CBA and the first like when this all this first started. Like the first thing that was leaked was the idea that when there's like a like a a like a large scale event of this nature that happens, the league has basically full full ability to allow their organizations to alter what the salaries are going to be. Now they have to come to come to some some sort of agreement simply because that the players have to show up to play. I was going to say, but, yeah, they have, they have <laughs> to actually be there is the thing. Yeah, yeah, and what the current labor situation is is an interesting one simply because we were already talking about possibly a work, stop, a work stoppage before all of this. So I don't know how much goodwill has been earned between the two sides given everything that's happened um, regarding COVID-19 uh, in addition to all the other stuff regarding free agency over the last couple of years. So... Will the players, I think they'll come to some sort of agreement simply because I think that if the players are spoiling for a fight on labor, on a labor issue, they're going to want at least something else to be able to uh, ride out a potential work stoppage uh, after the CBA expires. But overall, I, I think that the salary issue isn't going to be the, the biggest hurdle as much as just the logistics of actually how to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's gonna be interesting. I don't want to spend too much time on this now because there still is a lot of discussion that will have to happen, and I think they, I think all parties know that. Right now, the players' association is still, you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna come out and say we'll take less money. That's not how this works in public. Right now, they have no incentive to do that. But I think ultimately they'll budge to some degree. Uh, the the degree is what it comes down to. Even if they set all this up, and we're all hoping for baseball, I just think it's a, uh, it's a hurdle that has to be cleared before. Anyone can get too, too excited about this. But, you know, at the same time, I think players, uh, like Scott said, players don't, players don't need the money. But at the same time, you know, guys who were going to make, let's say, $8 million this year might want to play baseball for 100 games and make $4 million rather than not play and make $0. So it's sure. kind of this interesting I mean, it's all, and with it, honestly, with everything in um, the, in the PA, there's tears to this too. Like the, the guys who have already made a hundred million dollars in their career probably are a lot less motivated to play than the guys who have made $2 million oh, sure. in their career. So yeah. it, it'll come down to voting and as, as it always does and representatives and no one will, will, will be perfectly happy almost certainly in the player association, but that's just kind of how this works. It's majority rule and we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how, and by the way, that's, that's how minor leagues self get, always gets screwed because they, they have, they have no voice in the negotiations. So my apologies, Eric, on all that. That's how that always works as well. They're always the first thing to get given away by the players association. And that, that yeah, goes for much. every sport, by the way, it's not just baseball. That's what happens in the NFL and the NBA too. And, uh, they're, they're dealing with college kids then rather than, uh, minor league kids, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, we don't, you don't necessarily see about, hear about all the perks that, you know, the. NBA D leaguers or, you know, the, the practice squad guys for the, you know, for, in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I've come to accept it. Well, I say accept it. I think that my only players <laughs> still, still need to be paid significantly more, but given the situation, that's kind of probably, not, this probably isn't the time to have that fight. If I'm just being honest about it. No, it's not. Um, alas though, we all understand that that's the reality of the situation. Um, now let's talk about the, the fun part of this. And that is the, the three divisions. Now, the first thing, before I read all these, and I'm not going to read all of them necessarily, but um, the first thing that made this funny to me was, uh, let's uh, let's see, 
Eric or Scott, first, uh, whichever one of you answers this first, which is the closest team in geography to Atlanta in baseball? Um, I know the answer. Eric, do you know the answer? I would guess the Rays. Is it Cincinnati? Okay, so that's you're both right, technically. Within an hour of each other, they're obviously different directions, you have St. Louis, Cincinnati, and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Are about seven hours or so away from Atlanta. Seven to eight hours away from Atlanta, driving-wise. Now, none of those are close. There's no team in Charlotte. There's no team in Memphis. There's no team in Birmingham. Like, there's no, there's not a Nashville. There's no team that's super close to Atlanta, which is kind of strange. And that's, by the way, that's one big reason why the Braves dominate the whole market, because because they're the only team in the market. Um, but anyway, right. It's kind of funny to me at first gl- at first blush that the Braves are in a different division than the Rays and the Marlins. The Rays right. and the Marlins are in a division with all the teams in the Northeast, so they'd have to fly right over Atlanta to get to all of their games, <laughs> which, makes me, which, which makes me laugh because the Braves are in a central division. And that, that's a little thing. It just kind of made me laugh when I first saw this list. I was like, wait, the Rays and the Braves are in different divisions that are based on geography? Explain that to me. And I guess if you want to make the argument that the Braves are closer to places like St. Louis and Cincinnati and Cleveland, I, I get it. It's just kind of it's funny to see it laid out that way. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, we were talking about this yesterday, that, you know, how many younger fans don't realize the Braves were once in the National League West, you know, yep. um, and they've always kind of been yep. on their own little island, as you said. In, they just in the lifetime of Eric and I, I don't, I don't know about you, Scott, but in the lifetime of Eric and I, they were in, they were in the West. You, you might not have yeah. been born then, but. Uh, <laughs> what, ni- what, it was 94? Yeah, I was around. There you yeah, go. Kind of. You made it. Yeah. Congratulations. Kind of. I was you still existed in some form or fashion. Peeing and pooping in my diapers, but I was still around, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, I know we haven't, you know, uh, pulled back the curtain yet on these on these divisions, even though they've been out for a day or two. They're but out there. People, people, you people look see. at it, and I think from a competitive balance, it made sense to switch in a geography uh, sense, too, especially a competitive balance. I think if you put the Braves in the East with uh, basically the rest of the National League and American League East, the good um, teams. <laughs> by far, truly, by far, it would be uh, the dominant, most difficult division. You'd have seven really good teams in there. Um, whereas then in the Central, it's it's not bad. You have a couple of solid teams. Of course, the Twins were really good last year. Uh, a couple of good NL Central teams. And then the West is just naturally going to be a little bit weaker. You have the Dodgers and the Astros, and then everybody else is, is okay. Um, but I think, as we've talked about, the Braves have always been a little bit of an island geographically, and then... Uh, the competitive balance. Um, I think uh, the first you and I talked about this, Brad. The first proposed divisions with when they had the Florida and Arizona League set yep. up, and the Braves were in some brutal division, and then some division was like the Yankees, and then a bunch of hundred loss clubs. Um, I think that in this proposal, it's at least a little more balanced than than some of the other stuff we've seen. These are a little bit closer to fair. I'm going to read them real quick, and then I'll let Eric respond. Uh, the East has the Yankees and the Mets, which is not a surprise, the Red Sox, the Nationals, the Orioles, who are terrible, of course, the Phillies, the Pirates, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Marlins. So all of those all of those teams are either in the AL or NL East right now, and they'd all be in that division, and the Braves would be the one team that are not in that division. Um, then the West, the Dodgers and the Angels, the Giants, the A's, the Padres, that's all from California, of course, and then you go Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Houston, and Seattle. And then the central is everybody else. So the Braves are the one team sort of on their on their island. 
You have the two Chicago teams, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Reds, the Indians, the Twins, and the Tigers. So literally, the only team, I think, and this is just striking me right now, the only team that is actually moving is the Braves. And the Pirates. Braves <laughs> oh, and, yeah, Pirates and the Pirates are Pirates. Yeah. They, I mean, Braves, they the Braves and the Pirates switch, switch, switch places. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay, that's that's kind of funny to me in, in any way. And even if it, because it does make sense geography-wise that the Pirates would be in the East. Um, yeah. But still, the... <laughs> So it, it does kind of feel like, and this is the Braves podcast, of course, that the Braves are the only team that's kind of getting shifted against their yeah. geography, which is amusing to me. Yeah, because the East is really the Northeast plus my it plus uh, Florida plus, plus Miami it's, it's, and Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but there's not really there's not really a better way to do it. You, you, I guess you could take no. Tampa and Miami and put them in the Central and put I don't even know what you would do. Like put the two Chicago great. teams in the yeah. East. Yeah, yeah, or something. I don't even know, but. Whatever. Who cares? I don't. Eric? I just don't. I don't think there's a really good way to do it, particularly with you know with three. Like, yeah, <laughs> with 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 three divisions, things are always going to be weird. Again, like the Braves were in the NL West until 1994. I think that the thing that has gotten some people upset is they kind of have gotten used to these division rivalries with the Phillies, with the Mets, with the Nationals. Um, I will say that if you're wanting, looking for a team to hate that the Braves have hated historically, you got the St. Louis Cardinals in the new Central Division. <laughs> that, uh, the, that would be their natural rival in this for this 2020 yeah. season. Uh, yeah. So overall, I, I tend to agree with Scott that like for competitive balance reasons, like this the these, this alignment, I mean, some permutation of that looks like this makes the most sense to me. Like it seems like that there's some good teams and some bad teams kind of throughout all three of these. I don't think that they're completely equal. But I do think that the, it's a, a relatively good attempt at it. Uh, I will say, though, that if Scott's right, that they, maybe they do like five-game series, including doubleheaders, the Dodgers versus the Astros in the West for those five-game series is appointment <laughs> television. Oh, yes. Because, because make no mistake about it, the Dodgers are going to wear out those Astros hitters <laughs> buzzing in high and tight. They're going to get hit. There's going to be a lot of bad blood. Yeah, overall, all Astros sign stealing stuff. So that'll be that. That's what I like outside of the Brave stuff, which is obviously what I'm most interested in. A very close second is kind of how that plays out. Bra- yeah, Bra- Braves wise, the loss of the natural rivalries with the teams that we've all kind of grown up watching would be would be strange. I mean, this is all going to be strange if it happens. But you know, not seeing the Braves play the Mets or the Phillies for me is just bizarre in every way. Um, but, you know, they have some history with the Twins from a World Series. They have some history with the Cardinals, as we, as we mentioned. Um, they've they've played, you know, games that matter against the Cubs in the past. It's not like they would be just that weird. Um, the Braves, you know, facing off against the, I don't know, the Royals would be a little bit strange for me on mm-hmm. a regular basis. But it would be, uh, again, we're, this is all rich man's problems. If this all happens, we'll be thrilled if baseball occurs. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the one. If it, it kind of just feels like they like like they like they actually plucked the Braves out of the East, put them in the Central, just for baseball <laughs> reasons. And I actually yeah. appreciate that. At least the thought behind it does make some sense to be like, you know what, this is actually good for the Braves because if they if they if they put the Braves and the Pirates and flip those two, the Braves would have a, a lot harder time winning oh, baseball yeah. games. So sign me up. Yeah. Well, and I I think it's fun. And again, this is all temporary and best case scenario. And I know some people were like really mad about this. And again, I mean, yes. it's, it's literally going to be the plan for hopefully like four months. And then 
everything will be back to normal in a year's time, right? Like, this is not a forever thing. They're not drastically changing. <laughs> Do the, not the get mad about this, please. Like, yeah, there's you, no yeah. reason to be mad about this. No. <laughs> they're, they're just trying desperately to make baseball happen at all. Yeah. This isn't – now, if they if, – please, if, send your strongly worded emails. If they stick with this in 2021, then I, I completely understand why <laughs> you'd be upset. But in 2020, they're just basically trying to figure out how to play baseball games at all. And there's this is an opportunity to experiment a little bit, particularly with, like, the like playoff structure and a lot of other stuff. You know, see if this works. It's not – this happening for just this – partial season you know whether it be 80 or 100 or 110 games or whatever they're going to end up doing is not going to ruin your life as a fan it's just not no i mean i would take the braves playing like the marlins 100 times if it meant we got baseball this year i mean i I really think who cares who well hold hold on now well right for obvious reasons but um, no, I, I think this is, as we kind of talked about, I think this is the closest and most realistic proposal that we've seen. And, um, if it means we get a hundred games, as we've talked about, by all means, I'm happy to play the Chicago White Sox 18 times next year. Well, I guess it wouldn't be that many, 10 times next year, whatever it has to be in order to hit the hundred games. 18 is also fine. I don't even care. If I could just watch <laughs> the Braves play the Royals every day for three months, yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yep. It'd be boring after a while, but I wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true, and you know, these aren't teams we see every year, so it might be kind of refreshing to not play the yeah, national. White Sox look interesting. Times. Yeah, White Sox are a good young team. I mean, uh, Scott's playing. actually a passionate Arizona Diamondbacks fan, so he could dial in on the West. He could be our Braves West correspondent. Go- It'd be great. Braves are going to be going <laughs> against Donaldson too. Who's Donaldson? Yeah. I forgot right. that guy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, little-known Braves third baseman. True, true story. No, I was watching, uh, as I talked about before, I was watching the 95 World Series before we started recording. It was It's game three tonight as we're talking on Wednesday, and they made a reference to the 91 World Series, and it just like was like this like, side swipe. Like, oh, man, I got, mad, I got mad all over again at Bob Costas from 25 <laughs> years ago. But uh, I, was, I was, and that kind of, you know, the Twins thing is out there. You got to be, be pretty um, pretty old to care about the 91 World Series, but Eric and I qualify for that, I think. So Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the... Jack Morris, John Smoltz. First well, thing I really remember. Some, there was some uh, last year. Braves and Cubs got into it a bit, if memory serves. And of course, the Cardinals yeah. rivalry is going strong. And recently, it hasn't been as bad. But there was some bad blood with the Braves and Brewers a couple of years ago. So there. I mean, again, I think all of us would take baseball of any kind. But it's not like they're putting them out against like the Mariners and the Rockies, and they're just gonna, you know, whatever. I, I think there there'd be some storylines naturally that evolved. I sat, I, sat, looking- I sat in the very top row of Turner Field um, in late October and watched Kerry Wood just end my existence as a member of the Cubs <laughs> in 2003. Yeah. So uh, I, I always have a spot in my heart for not enjoying the Cubs. So there you go. Yeah, That's one. Yeah. yeah, And if you're wanting some free wins, I'm, again, hard to judge because of how everything's been going on. But I'm pretty sure the Tigers, the Tigers <laughs> and the Royals are going to be really bad. <laughs> they uh, they are going to be very bad. That is absolutely factual. And, I, and every, if it doesn't matter what happens with baseball, if those teams are playing baseball in 2020, they're going to be bad at it. So uh, this could be some wins with the Braves. Um, all right, gents, unless you have final thoughts, we can get out of here. Um, we're going to save some of our non-baseball takes. for. I, I was actually hoping to do a non-baseball show this week, and then like baseball content arrived. We were going to get into our bag a little bit. I had some ideas. But we'll save those for later if we have to use them. And hopefully... Um, if this stuff happens, we'll have baseball to discuss and we won't have to go deep into our bag of tricks for podcast content in like August when there has been no, no baseball for 10 months. But, uh, final thoughts, gentlemen, Scott, we'll uh, go to you first and then Eric can finish this up. 
Yeah, it feels like, and not just in a baseball sense, but it feels like things are getting a little bit better every single day, and, and that's so encouraging. I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I, I could truly kind of feel myself getting more and more depressed from you know first week of March until maybe the middle of April is when it seemed like there was finally a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Long way to go, both in life and in sports, but it is it's enjoyable. I'm glad we were able to do a, a kind of baseball podcast, if you will, tonight. Because, um, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be talking about my favorite uh, sports movies for the next six months with you, Brad, <laughs> as much as I would like to. Um, it was nice to kind of you know talk about hypothetical Braves and, and Cubs and Braves and White Sox matchups. So good stuff. Hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, I uh, just want to echo what Scott said. I hope everyone else is doing okay. I know that the state of the world, uh, particularly in some of the bigger cities in the country, are is really still very tough. Uh, it's kind of easy to forget that just because things appear to be getting a little bit better doesn't mean things are all better. And like, it's just not people aren't rebuilding right now. There's st- people are still kind of a lot of people are still in the thick of it. Have loved ones in the hospital or are sick right now. So we're thinking of all of you guys. Um, I'm personally disappointed that there hasn't been some sort of like Brad and Scott's favorite wet recipes and like how they make food and stuff like that. Like how <laughs> oh, how we geez. haven't gotten like 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 Oof. something fully off the rails in terms of like not sports related at all. Like you know like these are this is what I make on Tuesday nights. I mean, that, I mean that that's going to happen in July for some baseball. Fair warning now. Oh yeah. yeah. We'll, be, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be talking about our, our favorite TV binge watches. We'll be talking about like restaurant choices and just I don't I don't like cooks. So recipes will be bad for me. But uh, shoe brands, like whatever we want to talk about, we'll just we'll be talking about anything that I can, that I can see in my closet as I record podcasts. Favorite hats? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm I'm currently on my third rewatch of Parks and Rec. If that tells you all I need to know about what's going on with my quarantine over here, I wish I actually had time to watch more stuff. I'm working too much to really like. I watched a little bit more than usual, I will say, because there's no sports. So in my sports watching time, I've been watching shows, but I I've not had the like just the wide open spaces that some, some people have had to watch things. I've had some, I would say more, but I'm not doing my fifth West wing watch right now. Like I probably would be if I had more time. Oh. Yeah, I get that. No, I mean, it is, you, you, it's, I guess it's good, right? You got to find a way to keep yourself occupied somehow. So yeah, like you said, it's good you, and bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. I yeah. kind of wish I had more free time right now. Cause everybody else is like, man, there's been so much free time. I feel so rested. I'm getting a lot of sleep. I'm like, man, that must be nice. Um, now, granted, Eric, Eric, I know has has children in the house, so he's not he can't be getting that much rest. There's no way. No, no, they're up at seven a.m. Regardless of what my plans are, what I want to be doing, uh, watching TV late into the night at seven a.m. Because they're still doing. St- I think this is the last week of distance learning that they have to do. I can't remember exactly, but they so they still have they're still having to get up and like do things online and kind of have to make sure they're up and all that. So. You know, and then you know, a lot of my TV watching is not dictated by me. A lot, uh, there's yep. been a lot of adventure, a lot of Adventure Time, and uh, you know, assorted <laughs> other cartoons have been on my TV. So, you know, I, it's it's been a strange month or so, and I'm kind of looking forward to kind of getting back to a certain amount of normalcy. Even hopefully, if well, given all the smoke of a lot of these reporting, this reporting over the last few days, maybe that's going to be happening pretty soon. I have learned, and Scott probably has heard this too from somebody that he knows, but I have learned there are two different kinds of quarantine right now. It's kids and no kids. If you don't have kids, you can kind of chill a little bit. And if you have kids, there's no chill whatsoever. You're like teaching your your school teachers basically all day long, and there's never breaks. So I feel for people that have kids in the house. I do not have them. Scott does not have them. But Eric, uh, got to be to you, my friend. 
Uh, I'll make it, you know, maybe getting some sort of running line involving some chains and letting them run around outside. That might be the next step. But you know, for the chains? moment, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> oh, uh, right, right, right now I kind of need to let them out of the house, but you know, still stay relatively close, you know, under social distancing rules. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm am only a little bit kidding, but if you have ideas for us that you want to hear that you that you want to hear us discuss, we will take them. I'm not sure we're gonna do them, but we will definitely take your ideas for podcast content. I have a bit of a working file that hopefully we will, we, we will not need, but uh, I'm no longer kidding now. Please submit some things if you want to hear us talk about baseball things or, God forbid, not baseball things. We might we might consider doing them in the future. Uh, as, as Scott chuckles Scott in the background, Scott Brad's cooking recipes. Yeah, please not that would be something. <laughs> I'll I'll listen to it. That'd be hysterical. It would be quite funny because it would be a lot of like ramen and frozen frozen meals for me. But yeah, alas, no, right. no. Scott's interacting too much with Keith Law. He has some recipes over there. I can I know yeah, I, can, I can work around a grill pretty good. Scott's domesticated now. He's married. I'm sure you got yeah. stuff going on. I, I, I can I, make I'm, meat hamburger. I'll tell I'm, you what. I'm by myself, and uh, it's not it's not sophisticated over here. I'll take that right now. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we are completely off the rails at this point, but thank you for joining me. As always, please follow Eric. Please follow Scott. Please follow the site. The site is still running. Shouts to Chris Willis, who is carrying things on his back for the most part right now. I told you shop.com. Lots, lots of work for the fearless leader of Chris, um, populating things, 95 World Series stuff. I know Ivan's been writing a lot of stuff. We, we will have plenty of draft content. I can swear to that based on what I know about Eric and Matt Powers, etc. So uh, check out the site whenever you feel led to do so. There's still baseball content happening, even if it's not necessarily uh, normal stuff. And uh, as for the podcast, please subscribe to it. You'll get this podcast. You'll get Road to Atlanta. Hit the subscribe button. Leave five-star feedback if you so uh, desire to do so. And uh, I'm not sure when we'll, when we'll be back, but it'll be pretty soon. So stay tuned for all of that.